0: If you do not have a copy of God's Word, our ushers can bring you one. Today we will be in Genesis 17. Genesis 17, specifically verses 1 through 8. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have allowed us to come here this morning to sing songs of worship, to give freely back what you have given us, and now to listen to what your word has to teach us. Father, would you use this time this morning? Would you use it for the believers here to encourage and edify? Would they walk out of here loving you more, seeing how much glory you actually display, that their lives would be transformed? Father, would you please convict and show yourself to those that maybe think they're a believer, think they're a son or daughter, and reveal to them that maybe they've just been going through the motions, thinking that their good deeds and good works is what earns favor with you. Would you take that burden off of their back and show them the goodness of your son? Maybe there's, Father, I don't know, somebody here who is just adamantly angry at you right now. Somebody who is not even a believer. Would you reveal your goodness to them? Holy Spirit, anoint me this morning as I read through your word. And Father, would we just encounter you. Be gracious to us this morning. Pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 17, verses 1 through 8 say this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Why are we looking at the covenants that God has made throughout history? Why is this such an important topic to preach through? The the covenant concept in scripture is a central unifying theme. Why? Why? Because that unifying theme establishes and defines God's relationship to man. Not man's relationship to God, but the covenants establish God's relationship to man. And so we've seen this relationship start to develop. The past few weeks. We saw in Genesis 3.15. How this kind of started. God had created everything perfect. Spotless and blameless. Revealing how beautiful he is. And man had to go and screw it up. (laughs) And because Man disobeyed and sinned against God. God had to drive them out of his presence. But before driving them out of his presence, he gave them the very first promise in Genesis 3.15 that through the woman, there would be an offspring that would bruise the head of that serpent that tempted them. We see God's kindness in the midst of chaos and rebellion towards his creation. We then see in Noah and the flood that man was so wicked and evil that that God could not stand it. And so he sent this great flood and Noah and his family were the only people that walked with God on the earth. And it almost seemed as if God was starting over. He was starting over. We even saw things like be fruitful and multiply that echoed in our heads of what he had told Adam and Eve. And the thought could cross our minds. Is this the one? Is Noah the one? All evil is eradicated. But yet we see a little later in Noah's life that he also sins. And so the question could pop into our minds, did God fail at starting over or does he have a bigger and better promise for us than we can imagine? The covenant concept is so important Because what we are seeing playing out is that man tore their relationship apart with God. But through the promises of Genesis 3.15, God uses that as the fabric and he uses the covenants as the thread, one unifying theme to stitch his people back to him. And so this morning... In the passage that we will be looking at today, we see God making a covenant with Abram and Abram's offspring, which will display the faithfulness of God. Up to this point, Abram had encountered God two other times. In Genesis 12, we see that at age 75, I'll say that again, age 75, God came to Abram and said, depart from everything that's ever been familiar to you and go to a land that I, I will show you. So... Abram and his wife Sarai packed up their stuff, got their donkeys ready and hit the road. And then in Genesis 15, we see actually God developing this covenant and establishing this covenant that we'll be looking into more in depth with Abram. This was around 85 or 86 that Abram encounters God again. Let me say that again. 85 or 86 years old, God comes to Abram. And God reveals what this promise, this covenant that he is about to make with Abram, what what it's going to look like. He comes to Abram with no children and says, Abram, I'm going to make you into a man of Many nations, through you, you will have an abundance of offspring. If you can just count all of the stars in the sky, that's how much your offspring will be. This man is 86 years old without children. And God is promising... Through your offspring, through you, you will have many offspring. And so what God tells Abram to do is to sacrifice animals, cut them in half, and lay each half on both sides. So Abram, obediently through faith, does that. And he spends the next day in the hot sun driving the animals away from this from these carcasses. And Abram gets so tired that he actually falls asleep. And when he wakes up, he sees a torch passing through and he hears God and he says, God says to Abram, I have established my covenant with you. So why is it important though that that?" God passed through these sacrifices. Well, in Jewish custom, what that would mean when two people would make a covenant with each other, they would sacrifice an animal, cut it in half, and walk through it. Which symbolized, if I don't keep my end of the deal, you can cut me in half like you did to these animals. And so what God is doing here is telling Abram, Look, if I am not faithful and I do not keep my promise, my covenant with you, Abram, cut me in half like you did to these animals. And so we come to Genesis 17, verse one, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Now, I just want to pause here briefly. However, I don't want to belabor this point. I don't want to end up like the, the guy that I heard on the radio this week as he was talking about a, a famous musician's birthday um, that this musician turned 72. Uh, he just kept on sticking his foot in his mouth. Because he, he said after that, oh, my mom is 72 also. This is on the radio. And then he wanted to say, that's just weird. <laughs> well, It's weird that my mom, it's not weird that that my mom is the same age as him. What's weird is she just seems older than him. (laughs) I don't mean that disrespectful. I mean that in the best possible way. I'm like, dude, are you serious? This is on on radio right now. You're throwing your mom under the bus. So, but I I don't want to belabor the point and then end up sticking my foot in my mouth. But I do want to point this out in the most gentle way that I possibly can to my older brothers and sisters. God came to Abram the first time when he was 75 years old. The second time when Abram encountered, he was 85 or 86. And now, 13 years later... He's 99 years old and God is still saying, I have a mission that will be completed through you. My older brothers and sisters, God has a mission. When you became his son and daughter that he wants to complete through you and that's through evangelism and discipleship. It's easy to to look at the world as the world tells you, retire and then you're good. Hang, hang up your shoes. To be a disciple of Christ, to be your son or daughter of the Most High King means you never retire from the mission that he has for us. And I just want to encourage us to continue to live this mission no matter if we're 50, 60, 75, 85, 99. God still wants to use you to see lost people saved and Christians discipled. But what we're seeing in this passage is for the third time, God is reminding Abram of his covenant. For the third time, God is reminding Abram of his covenant and that he is going to use Abram to multiply, and he's going to use Abram and his offspring for something great. And so again, God tells Abram, behold, my covenant is with you. Abram, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. What God is declaring to Abraham, what God is reminding Abraham of is that God has chosen Abram to fulfill this promise through him. God is saying to him, Abram, do you remember when I told you to leave the land that was familiar to you? I've been faithful to you. Do you remember when I told you to sacrifice those animals? Do you remember when I told you to cut them in half and lay them apart? Do you remember that hot day when you were driving the animals away and you were so exhausted that you fell asleep? Do you remember when I walked through those animals telling you that if I don't keep my end of the bargain that you can cut me, the God of the universe, in half? like you did to these animals? Do you think I'm willing to risk my reputation of being a God who is faithful and I won't deliver on my promise? Abram, my covenant is with you. It's with you, Abram. The stars in the sky. Count them, Abram. And so God is reminding Abram, My covenant is with you and will happen through you. And so, what does God do next? God shows his faithfulness to Abram. But how? Does he take out his, his God crystal ball and wave his hands around it, showing Abram the future? Or maybe he he tells them, Abram, you know what? Let me help you out here. There are 17.69 trillion stars in the sky. That's how big your offspring will be. Maybe he just gives them with a snap of the finger the multitude that he's promising him. No. See, God shows his faithfulness in, in a very interesting and quite frankly weird way. The next verse says, no longer... God says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. God is changing Abram's name to Abraham. He is changing it from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham. He's putting a ha between the A and the M, and it means father of a multitude. But why does this matter? Why does it matter that God is changing his, his name? Why, why is that something that is relevant here? Because he's changing his identity. God right here is changing Abram's identity from just exalted father to a father of a multitude. Why is that matter though? Because every time Abraham would hear his new name, it would echo in his mind the covenant that God has established with him. The old story goes like this There is a, a young boy. No, this story is not about me. There's a young boy in middle school, and he's sitting in the middle of the cafeteria with his, his friends and he's struggling to get open those old carton of milk and as he goes to tear it open. The milk splashes all over his shirt and his pants and everybody in the cafeteria starts to just laugh hysterically. And then they, then this boy starts to hear this chant coming from, uh, way back. Milk boy, milk boy. And now every single time that his friends and peers saw him, he was known as milk boy, which every time he heard milk boy, it reminded him of the embarrassing moment That embarrassing situation that he just went through. And so God is changing the name of Abram to Abraham so that this covenant would continue to echo and rattle around in his mind every single time his wife, his friends, the people he worked with would say it. And so as we continue in this passage, we see that God is starting to reveal what this covenant looks like a little more. He says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. As I was preparing for this message and I kept on reading over verses one through eight, I... I, Noticed something that is just so interesting in this passage. Because it's almost as if God thought that Abram, Abraham now, wasn't listening to him. Because God it seems to be pretty redundant in this passage. If you haven't noticed yet, God has already said three other times that he would establish this covenant with Abram, Abraham that he would make him into, uh, have a multitude of offspring or nations. See, but I don't think it's that Abraham wasn't listening. But I think God knew very well what he was doing. He was beating this covenant into Abraham's Head, reminding him again and again and again that this covenant is with you, Abraham. And this covenant would be fulfilled. It's not going to be left to chance, it's not going to be left to luck, but the God of the universe. Would deliver on his promise. And so we come to verse 7 and we get an even bigger picture of this covenant. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God is now revealing to Abraham that this covenant not only is for Abraham, but it extends through Abraham. It extends to his offspring and the generations that will come. And almost as if God is building this up. He then goes on to say, and not only is this going to be a covenant, but this covenant is going to be an everlasting covenant. Everlasting. This covenant is everlasting. It is a forever lasting covenant. It will not go away, but will last forever. Forever. And then we see what this covenant is really all about. This is this is amazing. God says that to His offspring, He would be their God. It is. This offspring that he is their God. And so, what we are seeing is that this covenant is not primarily about a guy having a big family tree, although it is big, it's that God would be the God to the offspring. Of Abraham. So a few things may come to our minds. One may be, well, how do I find out if I'm an offspring? Do I need an account to ancestry.com? No. I'll try to help out with this. You may be also thinking, well, I'm not I'm not Jewish, so I don't think I'm a part of this covenant. Well, I don't know if you're a part of this covenant, but I will say this. You don't have to be Jewish to be a part of this covenant because this covenant was given to a non-Jewish man. So there are two descendants of this man, Abraham, two offspring of this man, Abraham, that fills us in a little better. They fill in these, these questions that we may have. We're told in Matthew 1, 1, that the first descendant's name is Jesus. This is why, despite our thoughts about genealogies maybe not being important, they're a little more important than we think sometimes, most of the times, all of the times. I'll correct myself there. Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. Abraham. And Jesus actually had quite a few conversations with other descendants of Abraham. And one of the encounters that we get is in John 8, verse 39. We see a a really interesting argument take place between, between these two descendants. See, these descendants had been in this conversation and they answered Jesus and said, well, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, well, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. What Jesus is showing here is that just because you're a physical descendant of Abraham doesn't mean that you are actually an offspring of Abraham. So he is shutting down this idea that it is only to Abraham's physical descendants. And so the next descendant that we see, this man named Paul, tells us in Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9, what a real offspring of Abraham looks like. He says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons and daughters of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Isn't that amazing? The gospel was preached to Abraham this long ago. This, this far back in history, the gospel was preached to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So those displaying the the faith that Abraham has displayed are the offspring of Abraham, which means... And this is so amazing and great, which means that the only God of the universe is the God of that offspring. But just in case I assume we know what faith is, which we all know what assuming can get people into, I have to point out what our faith is in. I could do no better than what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Life. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is not in the good works we do. Our faith is in the man, Christ Jesus, who lived a perfect and spotless, sinless life, who died a death in our place, taking the wrath that we deserve. Do you believe that? Rising three days later, defeating sin and death so that all who have faith in that would be counted among the offspring of Abraham. We see God establishing this covenant with Abraham, revealing what his relationship will look like to mankind throughout history. This is amazing news. And this is the free gift. That if you repent and put your faith in what has been done here, you can have eternal life and be counted among the offspring. So brothers and sisters, I want to leave us with this last encouragement. God is faithful. And I'm not talking about this, I didn't have 20 bucks and then I found 20 bucks on the side of the road. I mean, God is faithful in that way. I'm not talking about we have food to eat, which that is a way of God showing his faithfulness. God is faithful. In saving us. He is faithful in living a perfect life for us in our place. He's faithful to take our punishment. He is faithful to carry us along in this life. And he is faithful to bring us to completion. God was constantly showing Abraham his faithfulness in his life. Even despite Abraham's faithlessness... God still was faithful to Abraham. God displayed his faithfulness to Israel at countless of times, even though they strayed after other idols. He still faithfully pursued them. God was beating this faithfulness into Abraham's head. So dare I say this, we should be beating God's faithfulness into our heads and our hearts. While I was studying for this, I was reminded by a quote by uh, the great Protestant reformer Martin Luther who once said, most necessary it is therefore that we should know this gospel, teach this gospel to others, and beat this gospel into their heads continually. <laughs> Luther says this because if God has shown his faithfulness in, uh, to us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us, what else could possibly matter in this life? No, Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor higher, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this is because he was faithful to us. We must meditate about this faithfulness because it is his faithfulness that has saved us. It is is his faithfulness that keeps us and it is his faithfulness that carries us home. How often do you think about Jesus' faithfulness to you by dying on a cross? Is it daily? Daily? Weekly, monthly? Is that even a faithfulness that you meditate on and think about? Oh, brothers and sisters, this is what transforms us this faithfulness. And so, in this covenant to Abraham, we see God now specifically focusing on people Abraham and his offspring. God is telling Abraham again and again how he will be faithful to him, and more importantly, how he will be their God and they will be his people. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would allow us to see your faithfulness more clearly. That your Holy Spirit would wipe the mud away from our eyes and that we would be able to behold the Christ. That we would not be indifferent with him. That we would not just say that this is just something we do or something we believe in, but that it would totally consume us like a fire. Oh God, please revive the weary souls here at Community Church, allowing us to live faithful and obedient lives to the calling of being disciples, showing people how great you are. Be gracious to us, God. Remember us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Before you... Before you leave, I'd like to give a quick benediction that comes from Deuteronomy 7, chapter 7, verse 9, which says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenants and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Brothers and sisters, we have heard the word of God today. Let us go out. Out now doing and living and teaching the Word of God to others. Amen.